This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. In today's episode, we've got a very special guest. He was with us um, a few weeks ago, um, talked about one of his books. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about um, the spiritual leadership. Um, And so I'd like uh, Brother Carlton Kuhn to just tell us a a brief overview um, of his ministry, uh, what he's doing, and what God's doing through him. And uh, we'll get right into to the, the the lesson. Hey Brandon, it's great to, for you to be doing what you're doing, and uh, I I'm glad to be here and uh, and offer the opportunity to be part of it. Um, these days, my wife and I are co-pastor in Springfield, Missouri, Calvary Pentecostal Church. Um, we we're closing in on seven years. Uh, uh, Dwayne Butler is our, is our co-pastor and he uh, is progressively taking on more and more of, of this. He is a proven pastor and uh, we're, we're in the process of a, of a good transition. Uh, when we're recording this, uh, I think five out of the last eight weeks we've baptized somebody or had somebody receive the Holy Ghost and that for me is the way revival should happen. One of my books quite a few years ago was Revival in a Plain Brown Rapper. And uh, I think that that should be, um, that should be the way that, that it happens, that we, we should just have consistent revival and new people being added. But we're thankful for that. God's blessed us with a new to us building. We went from, uh, 7,000 square feet on one acre to uh, 35,000 feet on nine acres right beside the interstate. So we've got room to grow and we're seeing growth and, and uh, on Bible studies. Through the years, we spent seven years evangelizing and then we're pastor of um, a baby church. We didn't, we didn't start the church. It started as a preaching point daughter church, but it was very, very young when we became pastor of it and spent eight years with that. So it grew, then came to a church in Springfield, Missouri, and God blessed us with growth there. And uh, then a little adventure at our organization's headquarters, uh, leading North American missions. And so, so I've been blessed. It's been very diverse. Uh, in my time as a bivocational pastor, I worked in corporate leadership, which was very, very educational. It probably positioned me to do what I ended up doing in the years at headquarters. And um, during that time was our our town's uh, chamber of commerce. We reactivated it and I, I was the first president of the reactivated chamber of commerce back then and uh, I guess for two years and since we left and some of the things we talked about way back then that they brought to fruition so um i i I value all of the opportunities that i've had and uh the the opportunities primarily learn from other leaders has been huge for me 
So in that same vein, um, I mean, you've talked a little bit about your roles in leadership. Um, and this conversation is going to be focused on spiritual leadership. What, what would you say are uh, key elements for someone to be effective as a spiritual leader? Well, the first thing I, I would say is I think that I think that we need to define both terms in within this context. And the the easier one is probably going to be to define the word leadership, because to me and to me the word leadership is indicative of a person having some influence and. As a matter of fact, when I teach leadership events or whatever, teach our own group, we do a monthly leadership training here. Uh, when when I train on leadership, I sell. I try not to use the word leadership. I try not to use the word leader. Instead, I want to use the word influencer because I see so many people who do not have a title, they don't have a position, but they influence others. Yeah. It may be positive, it may be negative. So that one. I think we get so what then will we do with with spiritual okay that to me is in is in contrast to the flesh it's flesh or spirit well if we're going to talk about someone being spiritual they're not driven by uh, the desire of the flesh they're not propelled by jealousy or envy they're 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 focused on the things of God and what will benefit his kingdom above everything else. Uh, for me, being being spiritual is not is not speaking in tongues four times a day. It instead it, it instead is indicative of the fruit of the spirit being in a person's life. And so I want that to be part of spiritual leadership, the fruit of the spirit. Um, as opposed to the gifts of the Spirit. I want to see the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in that person's life who is then going to be an influencer. A person can be spiritual and never be a leader. Mm. A person can be a leader and never be spiritual. So what what you're, when we talk about spiritual leadership and uh, there's there's a good book by Oswald Sanders that title of it is simply spiritual leadership this is a classic on leadership uh, all want to learn some things about leadership should read Sanders book it's it's, uh, it's probably 60 years old maybe older but it it talks about the model of leadership of Paul and Simon Peter and some others and again it's this bringing together of a person who is not controlled and dominated by the desires of the flesh and the attitudes of the flesh. Instead, they're dominated by the things of the Spirit, the things of the Holy Ghost, and they have the fruit of the Spirit coming, existing on an ongoing basis in their life. And they have been equipped of God because I, I think I think leadership, I heard John Maxwell say many years ago that with enough training, you can make anybody into a leader. And I... I uh, when, when he said that in a seminar, I said, I thought, I agree with you about a whole lot of things about leadership, but that one's wrong. You, 
you've got that wrong. And since then, he's changed his mind. There are some people, it's it's a God thing. You you either you either can think like an influencer or you can't think like an influencer. And and so there is this bringing together of this person who has the right priorities as far as the spirit is concerned, and then they also have been positioned by God's gifting to influence other people and are willing to do their best to learn how to be more effective with influencing other people. So uh, when we talk about spiritual leadership, that's that's what I see as the key components is understanding the spiritual side of it and understanding the leadership side of it and then that these two come together. And from that point, you then begin to think about, okay, this person right now is a is a level two spiritual leader. What what can be done to to move them to a level three? What can be done to move them eventually to a level four, to a level five? Because you you can't you can't lead people who are above you. You you have to be constantly growing your your leadership and knowing how to do that. So um, hopefully that answers the question without chasing too many rabbits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a sort of l- a way of looking at leadership at, in in a sense of levels, um, and you mentioned that you know a level one leader you know has to grow to a level two, a level four, a level five. Um, maybe discuss a little bit more about the differences between a level five leader and say a level one leader? Well, I think a a level five leader is spending a significant amount of time thinking about thinking about the big picture and and looking a bit further into the future. And so that's that's one of the key characteristics, I think, of the level five leader is that they have a vision, not just for where we're going to be next year, but here's what we'd like to be. And here's where I feel like we can be in in five years. The the second thing that I would that I would say is that I think your upper levels of leadership understand vision a little different than lower levels of leadership or people who do not have the gifting of leadership. And and the difference is that instead of having a vision for what the Sunday school ministry is going to be, this person has a vision for what the children in the Sunday school ministry will become. And so you know, it's one thing to have a vision for a church from my perspective as a, as a pastor and leader. It's another thing for me to look at young people, new converts, and, and then even children in our church and envision and imagine what they can become for God. So I think that's the second component is that we, we look at people and we're thinking, what can they become? 
the the third is that at at these levels of leadership you you find yourself constantly looking for leaders who are a little bit further perhaps down the ladder and that's probably not the best way to say this but but it makes the point um who you can invest into and you you see it i, I read some time back that the church is going to impact the impact the future of 15 years from now knows who the future leaders are going to be before they're 12 years old and now that's not the way most of us are thinking and so the question is then okay how do you know who the leaders are going to be when they're 12 years old well it's already in them it's you just watch other children when they're playing or when they're doing whatever well if they have this leadership innately in them other children are going to be following them into their mischief or they're going to be following them into into whatever they and so that that 11 or 12 year old or 10 year old child will become a leader the the place where their leadership is going to be exercised depends on the influences that are invested in their life they can well become uh, the leader of a prison gang or they become a leader a pastor of a church leader of a Sunday school ministry it, it depends on those influences so it's that constant looking for and then i, I mentioned three things the fourth thing i would say is this i think think that upper levels of leadership there are things you don't fret about that when you're a little lower you you worry about or you concern yourself with um and that that makes a major difference i think because you you realize that i'm at a place where i can't fret about some of the things that that i used to fret about um and I, i you know to me that's kind of the that's kind of the gist of it is that and, and i want to add one other thing because uh you don't always see this in level 1 level 2 leaders but you get a bit further up and and most realize that what god wants me to do i can't do with my personality or my giftings alone i need to i need to develop number one i need to develop systems for our church that are sustainable that can be done with repetition that we're not constantly rethinking how we're going to do this and what what have we got to do to be effective we learn what is effective and then we do that over and over and over again um and and we're comfortable being systematic in that and not feeling like it i remember and i don't i don't know that i'm a level 4 or 5 leader but I remember as a young man, as a young pastor, every time that I would go to a conference, they always had a, a new something. And if you'll do this, then this has worked. If you'll go and well, so I you know, I I wanted to 
things to work. So I would, I would get whatever the new deal was, and I'd bring it home, and we'd we'd work with it a while, and and then the next conference rolled around, same same deal. Well, somewhere along the line in those later years, and being in Vidalia. It, it dawned on me we're not doing any of this long enough to ever get any good at it mm. so we're just constantly moving toward doing something new without ever having really got good at anything and I just stopped buying new stuff <laughs> and started trying to help us all become collectively capable and and level four and level five leaders become they become comfortable in their own skin. They're they're okay with who they are, and they're not trying to remake themselves into somebody that they're not. That's a long answer. I like, I like it. That's I think that is that is absolutely that's tremendous. Um, so when people, and oftentimes it's it's not necessarily by choice. Um, obviously. God gives each and every one of us specific gifts, specific abilities, specific talents to utilize in the roles that he places us. And so if we're being led by the Spirit, there are oftentimes we get put in roles that we're not maybe at first comfortable with, but through time, God, you know, gives us the the boldness, the ability, uh, you know, the knowledge. And so I guess... You know, my concern is that there are people in uh, leadership roles in the church specifically um, that they'll they'll seek that role, and maybe they weren't given the gift to work in that role, or or they were and they had the call, but maybe something along the way distracts them. And so they start looking, you know, and they're worrying about someone taking their position and, and then they're backbiting. And then we run into all these these problems that if we were actually being that level four, level five, level six, whatever leader, we wouldn't it would you were talking about being comfortable in your own skin. So, you know, we're not, you know, and obviously if, if you're a pastor of a church, God puts you there. If you're not supposed to be there anymore, God's the one that will remove you and put you, place you elsewhere. Um, and, you know, obviously we've got this, this human factor. Um, there are going to be people that get offended by things that you teach. Uh, but as long as you're aligned with the word of God, that's all that really matters. Um, how do you think we can, or the listeners, um, say that they're in a position of spiritual leadership how can they themselves um prevent maybe that disconnect in their own walk with god where they are seeking control and 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 not allowing the spirit to move and god to do what he wants to do in their lives and in in their churches well i think i think the first thing that that a lot of people in in whatever situation that is negative. The person who overreacts when something goes wrong in their life, they they will at times tend to say, well, you 
didn't have the same situation I have. If you had had that situation, you'd have acted in the same way. And and that's an inaccurate deal. And so every leader, every person who is going to grow their leadership has to recognize that all of these feelings of the flesh are they're common to all of us that you know I, I can get my I can get my ego on my sleep I can get I can get overly ambitious I can look at somebody else and and be jealous they're preaching at a certain event and, and I've not had the opportunity to preach that event well uh, when when you those feelings are simply part of humanity what we do mm. determines our spirituality you know, the feelings come you know Jesus was tempted in all manner life as we were yet without sin the feelings come but you make a decision that's not the godly approach I'm not going to let that be on my shoulder I'm not going to criticize that fellow on the basis of, of me simply being envious or jealous or I'm, I'm not going to resent. And so I, I think the first thing is for people to realize that, that no no person is is devoid of these emotions. Nobody is, is nobody gets up every morning and, uh, and is not going to be offended ever again. Offense will come. And how we respond to those offenses is what really determines our and again I think this is a real determination of our level of spiritual leadership is is how do we react do we uh, do we curb our feelings do we control our thoughts do we uh, kind of bring all of that into submission to the word of God the spirit of God say I want to do this. This is the way I want to act, but that's not the God way. That's not the Christ way. So I'm going to do this instead. And instead of being jealous over so-and-so preaching the event, uh, push that down and send him a note saying, I saw that you were preaching such and such, and I wanted you to know that I'm praying for you, that the anointing of God and the help of the Holy Ghost and I'm I'm in your corner, and and so it's a lot of times not just pushing back against the darks. It also you got to light a light, <laughs> and you, you got to do something positive to to really bring it under control. So for me, that's that's a major uh, part of this process of moving from one level to another. The other, I think, Brandon is 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 there are there are tools there are strategies and a person can read the bible from the perspective of of leadership and just thinking about it from a leadership vantage point and and you know the book of nehemiah is a is one of the greatest leadership books and that's ever been written and so, how do you gain leadership? Nehemiah, these people in, in Jerusalem, they don't know him. He's been 
king's cupbearer. He's a long way from he's a long way from there. So he comes, and in a matter of a few weeks, he gains influence with the leaders, and with his influence, they do in sixty days what they have been trying to do for several decades rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So what what does Nehemiah do to gain influence? Well, number one, he comes to them. And uh, of course, I'm, I'm going to just leave in place for everybody to be mindful of this spiritual component to this because Nehemiah has prayed. And so there's a God factor, obviously, involved. But first thing he does, he, he has, he, he brings with him resources that they don't have if you want to gain influence with other people put things in their hand put things into their life that they don't have and then the second thing he he did is that he took an interest in what they were interested in when there came a crisis 28 days into this adventure of rebuilding and people were tired and well, Nehemiah did something that's very interesting for a leader. He sent all of these different families to work in locations that were near their own home. And so he he was interested in what they were interested in. Well, what are people today interested in? Well, I gain a huge amount of influence if I show up at your daughter's music recital, just off the cuff, didn't know I was coming. She didn't know I was coming. At some little kid's basketball game, he may not be able to dribble the ball except to go off his foot. But me being there, uh, the little kid that comes up and is drawing a picture of me uh, while church is going on, well, I got, I got all kinds of options. I can say, well, uh, Joe, you should have been listening to me preach. Or I can say, man, that's the greatest likeness of me I've ever seen. Thank you. Can I have that picture? And then next week, send a note to that child in care of his parents, thanking him for that picture. Well, that's going to go up on the refrigerator. I'm, I'm not just influencing that kid. I'm influencing his parents and connecting with them as well. So the little things that we do, and and from a pastoral perspective, we win the battle of influence outside the pulpit. We need to be good preachers. We need to be good teachers. But a guy can be mediocre as a preacher and as a teacher if he will do the things that are necessary to increase his influence with people. Wow. That's incredible. That's but good. it's all practical, you know. It's right. it's not this isn't this isn't rocket science. It's and so you know there's uh, I think there's four other things that Nehemiah does. Um, he doesn't try to influence people he can't influence. Um, he has Sam Ballot to Bible. He don't spend all his time trying to pray them through the Holy Ghost. He just moves right on and they keep building and ignore Sam Ballot to Bible. Well. Gain. That's part of gaining influence is for the people 
that you're leading to realize these negative voices are not, we're not going to let the people at the back of the bus drive the bus. We're, we're going to, you know, we're going to move forward with this thing. Um, you know, and, and again, it's just not all coming back to me. The things that, that are there in that series of lessons, um, from Nehemiah, but it's, it's, um, it, it really deals with the ways we gain influence with people. Um, knowing what's going on in their life, knowing the issues that they're dealing with. And, you know, as a pastor, um, I don't remember things as well as I would like to. Um, quite often, I'm at the back door when church ends on Sunday. And uh, if I'm not, Pastor Butler, yes, sometimes we're both there. But if somebody comes by and they talk about, you know, I'm going into the hospital for such and such a surgery this week, and it, it's minor, it's outpatient. Well, I'm not going to remember that next Sunday. But there's this little thing called a daytimer. And so I write it down. And before I'm standing at that door the next Sunday, I scan over those notes. And when that lady comes by, she talks about whatever, uh, doesn't bring up her surgery. I can ask her, oh, but how did your, well, I just became a genius. Or I just gained influence because he's concerned about that outpatient surgery that I had. That's the way you gain influence from people. And unfortunately, too many people don't want to do that kind of work. <laughs> this is kind of getting into the theater of the absurd, maybe, but uh, practical stuff, practical stuff works. I, I, I like to call a parent's phone number. I even do this sometimes with adults and it's their birthday or their child's birthday and, and say on the phone, um, Daniel, I'm not calling for you. I'm calling for Alex. And uh, you just play this when you get home. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Alex. Happy birthday. Hey, I love you, Alex. I expect God to do great things in your life. Well, Alex's nine years old. Okay, but now, the next time I see that child, the first thing he'll say is, you sang, my, you sang to me on my birthday. Okay, gaining influence. <laughs> you know, it's not... It's not deep. It's it's you win it in coffee shops. You win it in being interested in what other people care about, and that's you know, too many people. I was, I was working on I was working on a blog post this morning, and I used this quote I heard somewhere. Too many, too many people. Uh, our society is not looking for a sage on a stage they're looking for a guide by the side and too many people who even have the giftings of leadership they they want to be a sage on a stage they they don't want to do the grinded out stuff another long answer to a short question well <laughs> um it's it's good it's good uh so you know, you've you've been in, in leadership roles for a lot of your ministry, um, so you you likely you've seen you know someone who has had uh, 
in an ineffective uh, leadership role or or maybe they became ineffective um, through the role that they should have been a spiritual leader in. Uh, what do you think caused those breakdowns? Well, first, I think I think there are times when we have people who either put themselves in a role of leadership or they are put into a role of leadership who who are not gifted of God and they're not called of God to be a leader. And I, I, I taught this to our church planners when I was working with them that don't, don't appoint someone to a role just to have somebody in that role because God's eventually going to send you somebody who has the gift of leadership, who has the passion for that particular ministry. It's hard to fire people. Much easier to put them in the position than it is to get them out of the position. So leave it open. Just don't do much with it. Um, I preach for a few pastors, not many, but when we evangelize, we preach for a few pastors who who should have been a Sunday school superintendent. But but they end up in this in this role and they're they're ineffective with the role. Um, because they simply were not gifted to do the work of a of a shepherd that Ezekiel talks about. Feed lead, seek, and heal. Those are the four things in the job description of the shepherd. So they're, they're in that role. That's the first thing that I see. The second thing is, is that people who may have the gift of leadership, they have the capability to lead, but they don't invest themselves in growing their leadership to higher levels. And I think those are primary. The third thing is that many times we will have people who, again, are are capable or can be capable of leadership, but in our in our church world, often we have we have settled for leaders who are doers rather than leaders. You know, I, I have leaders. I pastor, they're over a certain ministry, and if 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 they're have if they're given a certain task to do, a certain project to take on, I will at times say to them, I want you to do this, I need you to get this done, and I want you to involve three other people, none of whom can be members of your family. Okay, what am I doing? I'm forcing them to not be a doer, but to be an influencer. Because I don't want them just doing, I want them influencing. They're good people and they're they're in spots where they can make a difference. So I think that's that's another factor. When it comes to getting off track and losing influence, um, the things that I've seen are, and I call these flies in the ointment, is, is when a person becomes full of themselves, they're, they're arrogant, um, they're, they're, they're just so full of, of pride that they, 
others off. That that's one. The second is if a leader. Again, this is going to sound a little. If a leader does not keep growing in their understanding of how influence is gained and maintained, then they they're limited. They're limited in how many people they influence. They're limited in the kind of people who will come under their influence.、Um, If a person is a is a level five leader, they they've come out of the maybe they've come out of the U.S. Army and they're they've been a general. Well, it's very very unlikely for that fellow who's been a general in the U.S. Army to be willing to sit under a level two leader. Because his way of thinking is so much further advanced, and you, know, you just constantly run into things where he thinks, you know, that okay. The the third thing that I see is is when leaders are when they reach a point where they're not coachable. The Bible uses the word exhortation, and a lot of times we we.、Uh, Translated at least mentally as encouragement, but it also includes the idea of of coaching someone. And when a person is not coachable, when they won't take training, then they're going to become static. They're they're not going to to move forward in in their ability, and eventually you'll just spin off. And then finally. I see leaders who become ineffective because they they won't listen to the input of others. And one one of the translations of、uh, the, the phrase says that in the King James is we're we're not to be lords over God's heritage. And that's for those of us in pastoral leadership. One translation says, "Don't become a little tin god." And of course, that's a modern translation, which is probably not a translation at all. It's probably just a way of guys saying it. But, but、um, when, when, okay, I, I, what I know about building Brandon can be put in the bottom of a thimble. Okay, so we buy this building, we begin to remodel, and. What do I do? I get out of the way, okay? Because now I would immediately begin to lose influence with people here if I came in trying to tell them how to do some things that I'm clueless on, just because I'm the pastor. So、um, I've I've had elders, I've had deacons and trustees through the years who I listened to. And they saved my bacon, and I'm, I'm glad I listened. I've, I've had some other times when I wish I'd listened better, and it, it resulted in a not so good outcome. So, those are the things that I see that that you know beyond just sin factors that cause a person to just get stuck and they lose momentum.、Mm. So. 
uh, a few of those things you touched on, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, they're not coachable. They don't listen to the input of others. They, they want to basically take control of everything. Um, a lot of that could be prevented, um, or I guess, do you think or feel like maybe a lot of that could be prevented if they were, um, well, if they remained in submission to a spiritual leader above them? Well, and they should be. I mean, that should be, that should, that should pretty well be part of the process, I guess, would be, um, in our in our church, we're going to have different levels of leadership. Uh, you don't want a leader to have any more than than six or eight direct reports. And as a pastor, you really don't want to have any more than that because it it becomes uh, a bit overwhelming. Now we've got more than that for Pastor Butler and I right now because our our systems are not what they will be. But uh, yes, having having that person who who can whisper in their ear early on that you know this isn't this isn't the way this works um, is important. the The other thing that I think really comes into play here, and and I'm going to teach this with my next leadership training thing that I do, and and again that's that's available on our church Facebook page, I think on on the second Tuesday of every month, but. Uh, the, the leader, the person who will be most effective under, under my leadership or as part of my leadership team is going to be someone who, who values the same priorities that I value. Okay. Um, I saw this uh, defined one time as a triangle of leadership, and at the bottom of the triangle, there were there was the word options. Okay, and then up the side of it, the triangle, it was it, it was just the word leadership team, and at the top, at the word pastor. Okay, so pastors at the top of this leadership team. Okay. The, the point of the leadership triangle is this, that the closer you get to the leader of the church, the fewer options you have. Now, you don't have more options. You have fewer options because the expectation, and it's not just an expectation, it's a requirement that our leaders are going to participate in our monthly correction. They're going to be there for pre-service prayer. It's not an option, but it's also going to be the case that they're going to value disciple making and they're going to value evangelism and we're going to become as a leadership team and we're, we're in the process of becoming, so we're not very good just yet, but, um, and I've told them that we're not very good just yet. We've got good leaders, but we're not a team yet. So we've got individual players, kind of is what we've got, good individual players. But as you move up, you just, that person who visits for the first time Sunday, they got all kind of options. But 
that you move up the ladder. And so putting that into them. And, and one of the things I think that we have failed to do is we don't, we don't train, we don't do enough training of leaders at the local church level, nor do we do enough training of leaders in our seminary or Bible school settings because we teach youngsters how to preach, we teach them how to study the scripture, but but the work of God is ultimately about a people, it's ultimately a people business. Right. And you have to learn how to deal with people. So, uh, so there, there's some things that we kind of end up getting what we invest in. And we haven't invested anything, so we don't get anything bad from it. Mm. We reap what we sow. Yes, sir. So in, in to close this episode out, um, I, I think, you know, for us as, as the church, as the people of God, um, to be looking for ways that we can influence the people that are around us, um, not even, not necessarily specifically in the church. They do need, we should be influencing them in a, in a positive way. Um, and, you know, that's going to come back down to our, our own personal relationship with God, where, I mean, to be, to, be, to be frank, you know, if we're not caring about the things that God cares about, it's a lot like that leadership pyramid, except God's at the top. And the closer we get to him, the more our priorities should align with, with God's. And, you know, if, if, yeah, yeah. and so if we're not focusing on people and, and helping people grow and sharing the love of God with them and, and really, uh, being the face of the church, because we should be reflections of the grace of God in our own lives. That that man, this this is good stuff. I love it. Um, so well, leadership is leadership is the key, um, and it's been said a million times, probably. But everything rises and falls on leadership, and I do think that's very much the case. Um, I taught a series to our church. It was in twenty twenty on followership. It's kind of interesting. People choose who they will follow, and they choose to follow a particular person because they feel that leader is able to teach them something that they do not know. That's the first thing. The second thing is the person has has uh, respect and credibility. The third is that the leader uh, has a vision and these people want to participate in that vision as to where the leader is taking this thing. And then the fourth thing is that People who are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy will not sit under a leader who demeans them and disrespects them. Now, now people who are not healthy mental, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, they'll sit under somebody who just beats them to death about three times a week. But now people that are healthy in those ways, they, they won't do it. So people want a leader who will respect them. 
just as they want to be, just as they will respect him. Mm. Wow, this was a this that was awesome. Well, brother Kuhn, we appreciate your time, and I'm sure the listeners are are uh, also just as appreciative as I am. Um, this has been a tremendous uh, uh, discussion lesson, whatever you want to call it. Um, I believe that lives will be impacted. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I, I hope so, because again, if we can get more people to be effective leaders in the work of God, um, and reach a point where the pastor, and I'll just pick on us as pastors, uh, where a pastor doesn't feel like that he has to be responsible for everything, that he empowers other people to make meaningful decisions, not just, you know, uh, how many rolls of paper towels are we going to buy, but meaningful decisions. Um, the church can the church can multiply. Um, it, it can't if, if every meaningful decision has to come through the, through the guy at the top of the Amen. Thanks again. Thank you. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.